Welcome to Game Over International. It'll be very interesting to see if this works this time. I am wondering if maybe the issue is the SDPN radio thing that we've been trying to establish. Every time I open it up, I can't hear my guests. So I'm going to turn that off because uh, I can't hear them, but I'm going to introduce them first. It's Tony Ferrari and Erica Lindsay Ayala. So I'm going to welcome them in right now. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm doing all right here in uh, in Beijing. So apologies for the background noise. Oh, no, I, we can't hear any background noise, at least on my end. I And by the way, for those wondering, I figured it out. It th- We're using <laughs> an app essentially to send the audio from this to the SDPN radio uh, program on the SDPN app. And for whatever reason, it is taking the Zoom audio which I use to hear my guests and also to broadcast and it's cutting it out from, so I can't hear it. So that's what the issue is. So unfortunately we're going to have to talk to Jesse Blake and tell him that we can't do that from my end. We're going to have to figure out a different way to do it, but Hey, we get to do the show today. So that's exciting. And I'm excited to talk to you both because obviously I respect you both a heck of a lot. We have a lot to talk about, but because team Canada and team USA faced off last night, I guess, earlier today for Erica, because for those who don't know, broadcasting live from Beijing, covering the Olympics, heck of a uh, accomplishment for Erica, so claps for that. But uh, yeah, so really hyped game last night. Uh, Team USA, absolutely dominant, especially in the first period. Couldn't get through Debian though, and eventually Canada's quick strike offense took it over. Yeah, I think uh, what was really interesting to see is that neither team really established very much uh, in the first period as far as how they would like to play, you know, their perfect game. That being said, yes, absolutely. The United States dominated on shots and it was great. I always love to see when you have a goaltender that's just standing on their head. And that was definitely Anne-Renée Debien for Canada, who has such a fantastic story um, on how she almost stopped playing hockey altogether and found a love for the game. And here we go. The United States is suffering for it and Canada uh, is, is winning for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah it as you alluded crazy. to, sorry, Tony, uh, as you alluded to, uh, yeah, had quit essentially retired from the game for, I believe over a year because of lack of opportunities to play and has come back and now has been unbelievably excellent in these Olympics. So like phenomenal story. Like, I mean, frankly, the retirement part is a very disappointing story and, you know, symptomatic of how little we give to the women's game overall. But the fact that she was able to come back and get to this level so quickly is absolutely incredible. And like hats off to her. She was the standout player of the game. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like, we watched the U S kind of establish themselves physically early in the game. And, just right, right from start to finish, I think, even even though Canada took the lead late, the U.S. was the more physical team, and you could see that they were dominating the game from start to finish. But as you guys mentioned, Anne-Renée Debye was just phenomenal from start to finish. 51 saves, I think, on the night total. It was just a, a phenomenal performance. One of those performances that we're going to remember five years from now if Canada goes on to win gold. Yeah, and I feel like this is the, the one thing that, like coming into this game, I was doing uh, my podcast with Mary Clark and I was talking to her and I expected Canada to lose this game because the game that was delayed against Russia the night before 
there essentially was a, I think it was 20 hours between game finish and the game start for this one, which is not a lot of time, especially since they played the last game masked up with those N95 masks. And I don't know about you guys, but when I have to exert myself a lot in those masks, I lose my breath pretty quickly. I can't imagine playing a high intensity interval sport wearing those masks where you just can't quite catch your breath the way you want to. So my impression of this game, especially in the first period, is that the Canadian women just looked totally bagged. They looked exhausted. And, you know, hats off to the United States for trying to take advantage of that. But they really rallied, I think, after the USA went up 2-1 and they realized that they might not have control of the game. Yeah, you know, they couldn't keep that lead despite the uh, the shots going heavily against them. And I thought the Canadian women really pushed hard in the, I would say, second half of the second period and into the third period. I think uh, actually coming into this game, I had Canada as the presumptive favorites. I think that they earned the right to to be as such the way that they've been playing in this tournament. And quite honestly, how they've been playing since 2018, losing that gold medal game in Pyeongchang. I've talked to Troy Ryan, head coach of uh, Hockey Canada for the women's side. I've talked to um, Sarah Nurse a lot about that. And they had a lot of conversations as a team on what uh, they wanted their identity to be. And every moment that they've had on the ice, because we know things are very different with COVID, as we talked about the masks and them playing in masks, but they made a commitment to being a different team. And I've been describing their play as fast, fierce, and free. They're having fun playing hockey. It's beautiful to watch. I'm not here for the commentary that them running up the score uh, is a bad thing for hockey, because if you're playing that, that fun, fierce and free game of hockey, it's fun regardless of what the end score is. And if anything, we saw one of the closer contests in a team that we know can light the lamp. So I thought that this was a good game. I do think that there was a fatigue factor and a turnaround of course, these are professional elite level athletes. They're not going to use that as an excuse. And neither did uh, hockey or USA hockey use that as a reason to come in expecting that they were going to have the advantage. Both teams knew they were going to have to work for it. And that's what they did, especially given neither team had their best game of the tournament. Yeah, I think the big thing, as Erica mentioned, is you see how Canada was playing and especially the rivalry series coming up to this event. You saw how clutch they came up and how every time that even even when they got outplayed, they found a way to kind of pull through. And I mean, we saw it in this game. Marie-Philippe Poulain does what she does. And, and it's just another clutch moment for her again. So it, it was fun to watch Canada and U.S. go at it again this in, in the pre- preliminary round of this tournament. And I have a feeling we'll probably get another matchup between these two teams just yet before the tournament's over. So it's going to be another fun one. Yeah, what what gives you that impression, Tony? <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, it's a tradition. It seems it is absolutely. I I mean I don't know. I said it during the game. I don't know if there's a better rivalry in this sport at the very least than Canada USA and women's hockey. And I, I've talked about this before on like different shows that I've been on or different shows that I've done. When I think of like the ten greatest games that I've seen in my life, despite the fact that probably 95% of the games that I watch just by the virtue of my job are men's hockey games. Probably five out of those 10 are Canada versus USA women's games, which is incredible. And just the quality of entertainment that these two teams are able to give us is, I mean, I don't want to say unbelievable because it is believable. We've seen it over and over again, but it's very rare that these two teams get together and it isn't a showstopper. 
yeah, it's that sustained success. And we've seen other teams, Finland for sure. Oh my 2019 world championships. I think, you know, USA fans still have nightmares about that and, and how that could have gone sour really quickly, you know, saved by the, saved by the officials on that one. Um, but yes, for the most part, it is the North American teams. I don't think that spoils the game. I think what is very exciting though, as we continue to see women's hockey grow is that the, the teams that are jockeying for third place and, and, and on, they're starting to really mix and match who becomes that, that number three team. And right now in this tournament, it's looking like it's wide open as we just had a final come through as we were getting started with Japan and uh, Chesnia or in the Czech Republic that went into an overtime shootout with Japan getting the win. So they will be at the top of the table in group B. So I think it's a 10 team field. The first time we've ever seen that in the women's tournament. And I do think that the game is growing and we're starting to see parity. It's not necessarily at that one, two, three spot just yet, but as we continue to see that, you know, four through 10 increase and build and develop and invest which is something that Hillary Knight has been telling media here in Beijing every time they ask, we'll continue to see that. And Hillary Knight also said that as much as she wants to see good hockey across the board, she's not quite ready to give up that number one or number two spot, at least not while she's playing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine <laughs> you don't want to give that up. And, you know, the, the rivalry between those two, those two teams is so intense and the physicality that they bring is just such an entertaining product. And, I can't wait for them to, there to be more teams that are at that level, but at the same time, it is something so special to watch those two teams go at it. And, you know, I don't want to dwell on it too much because I don't want to give it the airtime, essentially, but the column that came out in the Toronto Star uh, on, I believe, Sunday, you know, uh, Caroline, Caroline Ouellette had the best response to it that I saw. Uh, just a Twitter thread, go to her Twitter Check out what she wrote about it, because I think that was the relevant take for it. But Rose, Rosie DeMano has been writing that column since 1997 about the women's hockey doesn't stack up or whatever. And she's wrong. I think that's like the main takeaway. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sick of the compare or the idea that just because there are two dominant teams at the top, that it's not an, like a, a legitimate sport, because we don't talk about that with like men's basketball or women's basketball, or a plethora of other sports that one country typically dominates. Uh, you know, Norway and cross-country skiing, for example. We don't talk about that not belonging at the Olympics just because they medal constantly. Does snowboard slope style not belong in the Olympics because Canada got two of the three medals the other day? You know, with the two amazing stories for Mark McMorris and Max Perot. Like, it's such a dumb get the conclusion, work backwards to what you want. But I, I just, I'm so tired of that kind of criticism of the women's game because I've been floored by not only what this rivalry produces, but what Eric was talking about with how wide open the rest of the field has been. You know, we, we've seen the Chinese team get a couple of wins already, you know, and I know that there's some sketchiness around like it. The players that they've brought in and everything, and maybe mm -hmm. fast tracked some visas, but uh, or some passports, some citizenships. But at the same time, the fact that they can field a competitive team is pretty damn cool. Well, first of all, they invested, they've invested. If anyone remembers the CWHL, Digit Murphy and Rob Morgan, who is now coaching in the States at NCAA level, 
they were a part of that initial team and they were working with uh, the Chinese Federation and one of the professional teams here, they got an investor and they invested to have players like Nora Ratu or as of most recently, Megan Bozak and Alex Carpenter from the USA team. They had those players playing and training with their national team players. I do disagree with you though on the fast tracking. We've seen this in sports. We see it in sports all the time. It happens all the time. Uh, you know, I know Becky Hammond is in the news for basketball these days and everyone loves her. But when she didn't make the USA team and she played for Russia because of her lineage, she got so much hate so much hate including uh, um from players that she's going to be coaching against now that she's back in the WNBA. so i disagree with you there uh but i love that china has invested in women's hockey and that's what it takes and and until we see that from more federations because we know sweden has had disparities with their the players and their federation switzerland as well and we're seeing that over time when there are gaps in the support uh, we've even seen the United States go through this. Uh, it's a little bit of a different story because despite the lack of support at times, Canada and the United States can be competitive. But Sweden, it has really been clawing to stay in that top tier. And they, and they weren't successful after uh, the Worlds before last. So I think that that's going to be the great equalizer. And, you know, say what you want about China on a number of, of things. But what you can't deny is that they've invested in women's hockey and as a host nation that has not, not been in the Olympic tournament for quite some time, they are definitely putting on a show. Absolutely. I think the, uh, the hate that athletes get for going and playing for a different country that they have a connection to either from living there or lineage is ridiculous. I I'm just talking more in terms of the way that, uh, I know that there was an issue with their goaltender who speaks English. That's their, her uh, mother tongue and also speaks Chinese and was asked by reporters if she could answer a couple questions in English. And she was like, I'm not allowed. So there's like, there's always something a little bit going on there. But speaking of controversy, the uh, Russian team or the Russian Olympic committee, because they're not allowed to use their own name because of the doping scandals, you know, Russia and tests as they get, as they are, uh, caused the uh, Russia-Canada game to be delayed by an hour on Sunday evening, I guess Sunday night here, by, uh, because their tests weren't in. And then they played the game in masks until the third period where the tests were supposedly in, and the Canadian team kept their masks on, the Russian team took theirs off, and then we find out after the game that one of the Russian players did test positive but wasn't informed until they went back to the Olympic Village. So how were the tests in? And they weren't informed, and they took off their masks. It's one of those things where it's like, why is this a situation that was even allowed to happen? Yeah, for me, it gave me flashbacks to the World Juniors, and I'm like, oh no, like let's let's not let this, this snowball, let's not let this go out of hand and, and get crazy, because... I mean, it's a good thing that Canada play, ended up keeping their masks on in the third period, and maybe that kind of saved some of them from from catching it. Who knows? We all know how masks work at this point in the pandemic. So the Russian team taking theirs off and the one player being positive, it's obviously not a great sign, but hopefully Canada continues to test negative and this doesn't become a big issue because we've seen tournaments, many tournaments across the world and across sports, uh, not just hockey, go down because of 
COVID issues. So hopefully this isn't one of them. Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that Emily Clark had to be pulled from that game against ROC as well because her test at the time was inconclusive. So you yep. had a test that had not, or at least the results that had not been handed over, um, and you had an inconclusive test for uh, Hockey Canada. So I think what it's showing us is what we we should, you know, what, three plus years in, but that we what we should already know that some of this is unpredictable, everything from how the, the virus spreads to even what the testing is. And I think also as someone who's here, we, uh, we get tested every single day and um, there is a, a, a closed loop is what they're calling it. So they really have um, things pretty locked down here. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that the, both teams and that Hockey Canada had to play in masks, but I loved, I believe it was the CBC broadcast uh, in, in studio and on the broadcast uh, during the game. We're talking about that during centralization, that's something that Hockey Canada had been practicing out of an abundance of caution in their own bubble. And then it paid dividends perhaps in this situation, or if this is something that has to, to you know, go on. But unfortunately, even outside of the, the ice hockey tournament, the men's tournament hasn't started yet, but we're seeing that there are athletes who are not able to compete or not able to train because of the daily testing that they do, including the testing when they come back to the hotel. And sometimes you're going to catch a positive case, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I actually felt really bad for the Russian player. I had her name written down. It was uh, Babarico or Babarico. Uh, there was a quote from her in the story that I read on CBC talking about like how they keep on getting these positive tests and they just don't understand where it's coming from or how it's happening. It's like the helplessness in that is so upsetting from an athlete's perspective. You train essentially your whole life for this moment and then to just have it taken from you. It sucks. <laughs> it's just really unfortunate. And it's for the women's game this is not the first time, right? Like we've seen the under 18s be canceled two years, two years in a row or postponed as the IIHF put it the last time they talked about it. It just seems like, I mean, not to get too bogged down in the pandemic, but it does feel like there's no end in sight for this continuing to interrupt athletics and our lives in general. And hopefully it doesn't impact these Olympics too much. It seems like the positive case rate is not too overwhelming, but there's always that like little bit in the back of your head. That's like, this could fall apart very quickly and it doesn't take that much. Yeah. And as someone who had to travel here, I had to think really long and hard about everything that I've done in the pandemic so far to keep myself safe, my family safe, uh, my community and circle safe. And the opportunity, you know, that is really appetizing to come and cover an Olympics. But what I can say, even as I'm here in the hotel lobby right now with my mask on, um, you know, there are people uh, that are around and I, I see them carrying these uh, COVID test tubes. I'm like, why are they why are they testing the our, our COVID results in the lobby? Like, that's weird. And then I realized that's that's not what they're doing. What they do is they're swabbing things that all of us touch an ATM the the kettle in the in the workroom and things like that just to make sure that if there is covid or when there is covid and where covid is we're all informed and we have as much information as possible so to your point andrew yes it's a thing it's still going to happen but i can honestly say in all the sports that i've covered during the pandemic this has been the the most well-oiled machine that i've i've ever been a part of 
that's encouraging and like frankly it has to be because the scope is so large and not just in terms of like the athletes and how many people are competing but just the level of money that's involved you would think that they want to protect this as much as possible now that it's started um uh, less interesting i think for erica because for those who don't know erica is american but i do have to shout out some of the canadians who won medals in other sports as well because we had our first ever ski jumping medal in canadian history i believe that happened earlier today or last night i, I don't know what day it is i the olympics have <laughs> ruined what day it is for me i things just happen and then i do a show i sleep sometimes and sometimes i don't but uh yeah so it was in mixed team ski jumping which is really cool so four people were involved in winning a bronze medal for canada and I was reading a story that uh, essentially the ski jumping program in Canada was on death's door last Olympics. Like the funding was just ready to be cut and funding in Canada is decided based on medals. So this is a huge, huge deal for prospective ski jumpers for the next generation, because this is going to create some funding for the future. And also of course, uh, Kim Boutin won a bronze medal in short track speed skating, the 500 meter so fun times for Canada seems to be rolling a little bit with the medals the last couple of days here. Yeah, it's been really entertaining the last couple of days. And I know you didn't get the show yesterday, but the Mark McMorrison and Perot story from the snowboarding event the other day was a ton of fun. I was up watching that and I remember going, oh, man, I'm up way too late. I need to work in the morning. But this is too, it was just too fun. Like the the more events are bringing to the Winter Olympics now, they're, they're starting to get more creative with everything. And it's been a ton of fun. And you're seeing Canada kind of do what they do at the winter Olympics and have some, some decent success. So it's been really fun to watch so far. Yeah. And I have seen the medal count. So I think it's awesome for North America to be represented. The United States got a little bit of work to do, but I did want to talk about short track because I was able to uh, sneak a peek at short track uh, after uh, stopping by the USA Canada men's exhibition that they had. They had a little scrimmage yesterday. And I will tell you that that was a, a wild 500 meter like people were flopping left and right and so congrats on kim for coming out of that one not only alive but with a gold medal (laughs) short track speed skating is absolute chaos like i don't know if there's any sport that can go from victory to heartbreak so quickly because not only can you fall and take yourself out of it or somebody else can just bump you slightly by accident and ruin everything for you you can get disqualified so easily like it, it is such a a tough sport to find victory in. So the people who do it consistently, like they're incredible They're They truly are. And I, that's one of the great things about the Olympics, right? Is you get to focus on sports that don't get the limelight all the other times of the year. Right. I know all of us primarily cover hockey or Erica also covers a lot of basketball. So a lot of like that high end team sports that's already popular in North America. We're used to that. Everyone kind of knows that, but now we get to learn these stories of all these people that we like maybe remembered from other Olympics or other things that we watched, like or an X Games or something. But now it's their time to shine, and I find that so fun. But uh, I did want to ask you, Erica, just because this is your first Olympics that you've been covering, how much other sports have you been able to take in? Because I know that you're you're there and I know that you're not sleeping very much, just following you on social media. So have you had time to actually enjoy watching other sports or is it just been on the job all the time? 
it's pretty much on the job all the time. Like I said, the only reason I was able to sneak into short track is because uh, relatively speaking to where the hotel is located, I was closer to the short track um, event and arena because I went to the men's uh, USA Canada uh, scrimmage. So I was able to pop in. I didn't stay for long because I knew I had to get some sleep. We had a big day today, Um, but it's been tough. Um, I'm hoping that um, once we get into the qualifiers, so, you know, coming up real soon here for the women's, uh, we won't have as many games, although then the men's tournament will start. So <laughs> I'll be doing double duty there. Um, but yeah, the, the events that are relatively close that I can check out, speed skating, figure skating, the curling arena is not too far from the main media center. Um, unfortunately, some of the other events that we were talking about, um, like the, the sledding events or some of the alpine skiing and things like that, they're out further out in the mountains. So I don't think I'll be able to make those my first go round, especially with this closed circuit. And we have to take certain shuttles. Like we can't just walk. I'm literally a, about a five to 10 minute walk from the event, the uh, arena where USA and Canada played. But sometimes I have to take a, a shuttle 30 minutes in the other direction to then come another, you know, almost hour back just to get to the hotel. So again, I understand completely why they're doing it. It does not help my sleep schedule. I'm so glad though, that I learned that I get really good Wi-Fi on the shuttles, even better Wi-Fi than I get in my actual hotel room. So that was a, a good hack to have. <laughs> That's helpful for sure. I mean, okay, let's circle back a little bit to the game. Uh, Mary Philippe Poulain. I know Tony is in favor of this too. When do we build her a statue? yesterday i don't know i know right like the fact that it doesn't exist yet i feel like we need to build a couple like one in the nation's capital and one in montreal yeah that's fair uh, it was funny because we were both kind of tweeting like we we're all tweeting the game last night and i commented something on your one of your posts andrew and you're like build her a statue and i just oh you're a high, you're a man of high class as well and just retweeted my tweet right at you because two minutes earlier i said the same thing like yeah man every time every time canada plays it seems in the last few years it's just Marie Philippe Poulin doing something amazing, whether it's a shootout goal or a goal in overtime, a goal in, on a penalty shot. It's always something dramatic and it's always her doing something great for Canada. So build her a statue. Let's get it going. Take out some of the leaves on Legends Row. Put it there if you want. I don't care. It, it, she she deserves it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted at, at some point, you know, death taxes MPP in the clutch. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just it's a guarantee guarantee 100%. And as someone who is from the United States, I absolutely love it. You know, I am not a a super Homer. I just like a good game. And honestly, sometimes I like a little bit of chaos. You know, I'm that person that's kind of like rooting for, for something wild and crazy to happen. Even, even if it means that, you know, it might not benefit the USA. And uh, so in, in that regard, I certainly enjoy watching MPP play. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of Americans on my timeline last night. It's like, why does she have to do this? I want to love her so much, but she causes me so much pain. And I was like, I love her even more. <laughs> uh, speaking, we'll close it out after this. I just wanted to bring this up because it was it's such a crazy story to me. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, Leslie Jones, who you know has made it her thing to tweet about the Olympics for years now, and is very entertaining in doing so. I think it's actually her best bit. Has been basically bullied by NBC 
into not doing it. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, I understand Olympics rights holders, but if she's not posting footage, first of all, what right do they even have to say that to her? And also, why? Because it kind of seems like free advertising. It's it's really wild. I do remember seeing, I think it was actually a, a, for one of the USA games that she, she was like, you know, recording her TV, you know, not high quality broadcast by yeah. any <laughs> means. Um, but I remember saying, oh man, like they won't even let us post like gifts, you know, and stuff like that. So how is that going to work? And then I, I, I found out later that uh, she's like, yeah, uh, never mind, not doing this. And then even outside of the Olympics, right? Just for it to be, I, I don't know. It felt like maybe it's because I'm just in hockey right now, but it felt like, dang, like we're missing an opportunity again as a sport to just bring people in. Yep. So I guess I'm very like, I very, I feel that very acutely as someone who's in the hockey community now, but thinking about the greater Olympics, it was definitely one of the things I had to be mindful of as even as a journalist and as someone who social media is so big for us, right. And how we engage with uh, people who are reading our work and listening to our podcast. So uh, it's, it's definitely a fine line, but I feel like, <laughs> I mean, as someone who is on SNL or at least has, was, I don't know if she still is, you know, you think that the network could maybe find a way to figure that out somehow, somehow. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like, it's like the perfect opportunity for them rather than telling her to shut it down, give her more opportunity go, Hey, we're going to give you the permission to post the video. We're going to give you permission to do this. Let her be a force in promoting the games because why not like bring more people in the games, people that probably don't watch as much of the Olympics as, as we all do go, Oh man, Leslie Jones is tweeting about this. Like, look at how fun she's making it. Let me do it. Give her, give her a Manning cast. If you want, like go that far, who cares? Like do yeah, something hire her. It. Damn it. Yeah. Embrace what she's doing. Don't shut it down. It seems stupid. It is. It's super dumb. And I feel like even if she is posting like her camera <laughs> recording, Self some of her TV photo footage, right? Like nobody is going to Leslie Jones's Twitter account to find highlights of the Olympics. <laughs> They're only going to see it there and then want a better quality version and go to your social media channels or your website. Exactly. So calm it down. And I also, I find like even like doing this show, like we have the capability with the streaming service to like uh, embed like a, a GIF or a video or a tweet or whatever and just show that. Right. So like theoretically we could take, since we're broadcasting from Canada, a CBC Olympics tweet and show like that tweet in a recording of the video that they have and put it on the screen. That should be completely fine, right? Cause it's showing this is where it's from. No way. We <laughs> it'd be taken down so fast. It seems like this is, it's so archaic. And I know part of it is cause they pay so much for the rights to broadcast this stuff and they're like hyper protective, but it just seems so backwards that you're kind of limiting your own ability to get the most out of it by not taking advantage of the way that things are shared nowadays. And I just find it to be such a shame. And I know like he's not posting videos or anything, but I'm surprised that Leslie Jones is the only one that's getting attacked here and not like Mr. T, right? Cause Mr. T has been big into curling. He, that was like a big thing. Last Olympics, he got super into the men's uh, curling team for the USA. So like, why are they picking on just one person? Is it just cause she's like, into all of it and i, I don't know it, the whole thing seems super dumb if you can make a get a celebrity of any stature 
interested in promoting the Olympics or the, these sports that you want to highlight, it just seems super dumb to push them away. And unfortunately, that seems like what they're doing. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. I mean, didn't they have Terry Crews, at least here in the States, like doing promos, I think, for NBC? How hard can it be to just call up Leslie Jones and do something similar? Fix it. We all want it. Like, get over yourselves. And better yet, like, let's let's move into the future, folks. Like, come on, join us. It's it, The water's fine. <laughs> exactly. The Like, having someone be excited about the sports... It's not a bad thing. It's just not a bad thing. Let's embrace it. Have some fun. We don't have to be all stuffy about this stuff. But uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. I do have... I was My oldest son baked me a cupcake last night as a, as a gift. And he told me that I had to take a bite on stream. So I'm going to have a cupcake for breakfast here. And then we'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks to Erica and Tony for joining me while I eat this. Uh, first Erica and then Tony. Could you tell everybody where to find your work? Well, I hope you uh, follow up with, uh, you know, a nice play by play of the, the flavor and all that good stuff. But you can find me on social media, uh, not posting like Leslie, but uh, at elindsay08. That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-08. And I'll have my recap up of USA, Canada and the rest of the way over on Bleacher Report. You can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari and all my works at the Hockey News. So you can follow me there. But. I'm tweeting about the Olympics and every time, every day. So follow me on that. Awesome. Thanks so much. And flavor. Good. The draw J's are a little bit hard to, to chew. Like <laughs> surprising. You don't want to get a draw J between your like front teeth, right? And break them or something. But uh, anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in in this early morning or uh, watching on demand or listening as a podcast. We'll be back tomorrow morning and every morning until the Olympics are over. See you soon.